0: This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Baer. Let's get into the show. What is going on? Welcome back to the show. It is Q&A time. Let's get these questions. So actually, before that, I should say if you have any questions you want me to answer on this show, shoot me an email, jeremiah at bearfit.com, or follow me on Instagram at jeremiahbear, B-A-I-R. Every Monday, I drop a QA and a question box for these questions, or feel free to DM me at any time, and I will get your questions answered on the show. I can go crazy in depth here. I don't want to make sure I'm providing as much value to you, the listener, as possible. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the Q and A. So, first question: Was told to eat 100 or excuse me, 1.5 to 2 grams of protein per pound of body weight daily. Is there ever a time and place? All right. So, when it comes to protein intakes, the reality is we know that typically around 1 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is going to be the recommended mark um one gram a pound of protein per pound of body weight is kind of seen as the gold standard where like no matter what if we're building if we're cutting that just ensures that we have enough protein basically we're supplying our body with enough of the essential amino acids to build muscle right now, of course, this depends on like where your protein sources are coming from. So if they're coming from like mostly plant-based sources and you don't have a good diversity there, then you could be missing out on some of the amino acids we need to actually build muscle still, despite your protein intake, like being like 150 grams of plant- plant-based sources versus animal-based sources, which are more a more complete um, protein source. The amino acid profile is typically better. So it does depend a bit there, but... um All that said, nowadays, most like a vegan protein powder, for example, is gonna be a blend of multiple sources, which makes it, and often is fortified with other amino acids. So typically, like those are gonna be a pretty good source. So (laughs) um, that aside, typically, like again, this one gram per pound of body weight is kind of seen as the gold standard as far as protein goes. So no matter what, if we're cutting, bulking, that's generally a good rule of thumb to adhere to. We know that most of the time, that will ensure that you are getting enough protein. If you're doing something super aggressive like a mini cut and you are a more advanced lifter, you have a lot of mass, okay, maybe it makes sense to bump it up to 1.2, even all the way up to like 1.4 to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight um, to make sure that you aren't losing any muscle that we are or we're keeping muscle loss to a minimum. That said, like in a mini cut which is like a four to six week time period. Typically, we're not, it's just such a short time frame that we're not too concerned with muscle loss. But we could say, okay, in an aggressive cut or towards the end of prep for a photo shoot or getting ready for a bodybuilding show, for example. Now, that said again, um, it's pretty rare that we actually need to go that high. Again, most people like one to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight will absolutely have your needs covered um and really it's thought that actually like you might not need even that much protein i think the effect for muscle building generally the ranges that are out there are more like 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight and if i have a client who like a fat loss client for example um they don't have and their number one goal is just fat loss. They don't really have like, which honestly, in my situation anymore, it's rare that I work with people like this. But in the past when I did work with more like, hey, I just want to literally lose like 50 pounds, right? Um, and their dietary preferences trend away from protein. So, for example, we get the client eating 0. 8, 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight and they're satiated, Right. Um, so hunger isn't an issue, which is normally where we drive up protein. Then like in a situation like that, there's not really a need for us to drive it up any higher than that. They're getting all the enough protein they need for all their essential needs. Um, we don't run the uni past that point. If you are someone that's training very intensely, you do have goals of like adding muscle. It makes sense to be closer to that 0.8 to one to even 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. I'd say 0.8 to one grams per pound of body weight there. Um, so really the only time it's the only time I push clients past this 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, which is very much like often the high ends for like someone that's in an aggressive cut is if it's a satiation issue. So actually a uh, shout out to my client, Rachel, she's someone who we're doing this with right now. And actually she is in a building phase. So she's eating more calories, but for her, appetite regulation is one of the biggest things. She also has a preference for more protein. So, one of the things we've done for her, just like even staying within her bulking calories, her building phase calories, I should say, while still limiting her rate of gain, was some to like the rate we wanted to where fat gain wasn't excessive. It was very challenging for her when we had protein around one gram per pound of body weight so one thing we've done is bump protein up to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight just a couple weeks ago and that does seem to have been helpful so that's like the one situation where i would where i would actually um recommend it outside of like a satiety case it's not necessary um in a fat loss phase i would say often we also have to realize that if we're pushing because we could also say like hey in a fat loss phase one it helps satiety two it helps um, It's gonna the thermic effect of food is gonna be higher, right? So potentially it could be helpful f- helpful for us to have higher protein intake. And again, it would make sense for us to push more for like this one point five to two grams per pound of body weight mark. That said, again, we also have to realize that this is pushing out carbs or fats. So one, if you're eating so much protein that is pushing your fat below that. 0.3 grams per pound of body weight mark which is essentially the threshold that we need to hit for most people to make sure hormones are optimal or as good as can be in a fatless phase um to prevent fatty acid deficiencies things like that if you're eating so much protein that is pushing you below that mark then it's going to be detrimental similarly if you're eating so much protein that's pushing your carb intake super low and similarly like in a building phase um this is why typically I would keep protein closer to like one gram per pound of body weight in a building phase so we can add, we'll get more benefits as far as performance and recovery goes past that, likely from adding more carbs. So again, unless it's a satiety issue, I'll typically keep protein around one gram per pound of body weight. Um. So really as far as like hitting up closer to like 1.5 grams per pound of body weight, that's the only cases I often use it. Now I know... There's nothing wrong with going higher than that, again, unless it's pushing your carbs so low that you just have no energy, um, recovery is trash, or if it's pushing fat super low like we talked about before. But again, like past that point, um, Dr. Jose Antonio has done multiple studies on this where I believe that... I believe the most recent one was a year long and I believe they were somewhere between 1.5 and two grams per pound of body weight. And there's been multiple studies where they've shown that like taking your protein intake this high has no detrimental effects on your health, on your kidneys, anything like that, as long as you don't have kidney, pre-existing kidney issues. Um, So while well, it's not quote unquote bad per se, and there is occasionally again like a time and a place for these higher intake protein intakes again like if it helps its satiety if it makes it easier for the client to stick to their nutrition strategy a lot of it like i know jim stepani when he uh years ago i think this was in like 2012 because i was when i was like 250 pounds i was trying to eat two grams of protein per pound of body weight which was 500 grams of protein a day for me which was a fuck ton of protein um and that's just unnecessary but i know like sometimes this like two gram per pound on a body weight mark is literally like people that are selling protein powder will push you to do that. Because again, like in my situation, the only way to do that was for me to drink a shit ton of protein powder. Um, so you have to keep that in mind as well. I would say like, is anything past 1.5 ever really necessary? No, probably not. Is it detrimental? No, except for like with the caveats we talked about before. um, <laughs> Yeah. And that's, I think all I have on that. All right. Next question we have best training split for someone who wants to build lean muscle, but has four days or less to train. All right. So here I would push you to do either an upper to lower split four times a week. Of course, two days, upper two days, lower Or a push pull push pull split. Again, four times a week. Those are typically my favorite two splits when it comes to like this four type four times per week's training. And honestly, how I typically like to go about this, anyone that's been training like an upper lower split for a long period of time, I found that if we occasionally work in a higher frequency program like a push-pull split. So basically with a push-pull split, we're training lower body and upper body push muscles in um, the same training day. So for example, day one could look something like, okay, we're gonna do back squats, we're gonna do leg extensions, we're gonna do a dumbbell incline press, we're gonna do a lateral raise, and we're gonna do a cable overhead extension, for example. So training push muscles, then day two could look something like, okay, we're gonna hit a Romanian deadlift, we're gonna hit uh, um, a barbell hip thrust, We're going to hit a dumbbell row. We're going to hit a cable face pull, and we're going to hit a barbell curl. So training push muscles, pull muscles on opposing days. Now, the thing to realize here is we are still going to be working those antagonist muscles to an extent when we're training. So, for example, when we're training like a back squat, well, we are primarily focusing on our quads. Um, If we're doing a high bar squat, which is typically what it's pretty It's never actually that I program a low-brow back squat, but um, while that is going to be a quad dominant movement, it is going to hit your glutes and hamstrings to an extent as well, right? So we're still upping the frequency, so basically we're, to an extent, hitting most muscle groups four times a week. So what I found, and I don't have a ton of science to back this up, I've just seen this in myself and many clients that I work with, um, occasionally, like, I'll run people i do really like an upper lower split generally but then occasionally switching to something like a four times a week push pull split will allow us to overall increase frequency and kind of realize better gains for a short period of time by i hate the idea like just mixing it up because that generally doesn't make sense when it comes to programming but sometimes hitting the body with this new stimulus i have seen it to be effective again in myself and many clients that I've worked with. Also, if you're used to like psychologically, I think it's refreshing for many people to go from um, like, especially when we're looking at leg days, like a lower body day and an upper lower split. Typically it's a pretty good amount of work that you have to do. So here we're splitting up volume a good amount. So like maybe it's instead of, okay, I have to do, <laughs> I have to do barbell back squats. I have to do Romanian deadlift. I have to do leg press. I have to do line leg curls. I have to do leg extensions. It's, Hey, okay. Today, I just have to do split squats and leg extensions, and then I get to train up our body. Um, so often I found that like clients just psychologically, this is easier. Also physiologically, it does seem to, it's only about inserting a phase like this, like a four to six week mesocycle cycle or even multiple seems to work very well. And often like this is also due to the client's preference. Um, but some people really enjoy this. Now, this push-pull style of training, and it's something that I did for a couple months, what, December and January, I believe, um, but the thing here is, as opposed to, like, a full-body style of training where we're training our entire body every single time, well, those antagonist muscles do get worked to an extent. It allows for better recovery, I would argue, than training for full-body four times a week so as opposed to like if we're going to do okay i'm gonna hit a back squat i'm gonna hit a romanian deadlift i'm gonna hit some type of bench press i'm gonna hit some type of row or vertical pull and i'm gonna do that four times a week this i found it it does allow for a little bit better recovery because again we're primarily focused on push muscles one day pull muscles the other and it's very similar to like an upper lower and for uh if, if the goal is to build lean muscle that makes the most sense as far as programming goes. So again, an upper-lower split, which is something I've talked about very extensively. You can check out the podcast. Um, I believe it's called Programming Mastery, the Upper-Lower Split. I'll link that in the show notes as well. But that's a deep dive into exactly how I program the Upper-Lower Split for online clients. Um, Or if you need more help structuring this, hit the link in the show notes, apply for online coaching with me. All right, final question we have today. Read your blog on calorie cycling. Can you explain how this applies to someone who doesn't have much fat to lose but wants to get a bit leaner and build a bit more muscle? All right, so um, calorie cycling is basically just this idea of within the deficit we are inserting higher calorie days. So you're in a diet, right? And we are inserting within that diet occasionally higher calorie days. So maybe once a week, we're bumping you back up to maintenance. Six days a week, you're in a deficit. Maybe it's two days a week at maintenance. Maybe every 14 days, we're taking three days at maintenance. Maybe every four weeks, we're taking one week at maintenance. That's basically the idea of calorie cycling, at least how I define it. So for someone who doesn't have a lot more fat to lose, but is also trying to build muscle, I think that the best strategy here would likely be six days in a deficit, one day refeed. And this is actually something that I talked about with Christopher Bearcat in our episode, what I believe that just dropped on Monday. So I'm not gonna link that one in the show notes. just scroll back like two episodes and it's right there. The Complete Guide to Body Recomp is what that episode is called. So here, again, if you are trying to lose a bit more fat, so basically it sounds like this person is almost as lean as they want to be and they're trying to build a bit of muscle in the process, I would say, again, just get the fat loss portion of the diet over with sooner rather than later so you can get back to maintenance, you can get back to actually more productive training or creating a more productive environment for muscle growth, which is going to come from eating more calories at maintenance or in a slight surplus. Get back to productive training sooner rather than later by getting the diet over with sooner rather than later rather than like, hey, I'm going to take three days at three days at, at a maintenance or just about maintenance every week. Like if we did a strategy like that, like yeah, there's it's cool, you're doing calorie cycling, but you're still overall spending more time in a deficit. So your body's never gonna be in like that anabolic of an environment for muscle growth. And you're also dragging out the time frame of the diet. So it's kind of a lose lose. So in a situation like this, I would likely again do six days in a deficit, one day at maintenance, or at least like 50 cents Increase calories, if we look at like, okay, this is the gap between my current deficit and maintenance. So let's say that's a 500 calorie deficit you're in. I would increase it to at least, I would decrease the deficit by at least 50%. So we're going to add back in 250 calories via carbs or bump that all the way up to maintenance, depending on how quickly you want to push the diet. Because of course, the high, closer we bump those to maintenance, um, the bigger dent we're putting in our weekly deficit. So, there, this just once a week, and again, this increase is gonna come via carbs, is going to refill your muscle glycogen stores, which in turn is gonna lead to a bit better training performance and a bit better recovery. And again, um, this is something that Christopher Bearcat and I talked about a lot more in depth in monday's episode so i'd definitely especially if you're someone that's recomping that episode is literally called the complete guide to body recomposition so absolutely check out that episode but that's what i would recommend here again you get a diet done sooner rather than later but also it makes sense to at least once a week take advantage of this period to really refill your muscle glycogen stores all right guys and that is all we have for today if you took value from this episode if you enjoyed this episode do me a huge favor Take a screenshot of this podcast right now on your phone, drop it on Instagram, and tag me. First, I want to be able to thank you for listening, but you're also really helping me grow the reach of this show. All right, and again, that is all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in.